Midwest Mavericks is powered by Mother G, aligning business and technology. You hear the name Bruno Mars and think, what a cool name, right? Well, did you know his real name is actually Peter Jean Hernandez? How about Joaquin Phoenix? His real name is Joaquin Raphael Bottom. Olivia Wilde? Her real name is Olivia Jane Cockburn. So unless you're a celebrity, you really don't get to choose your name. But when it comes to the name of your brand, the name you choose is so important. And coming up with the perfect name is never easy. Today on Midwest Mavericks, we'll meet Darpin Munjal, who was struggling to come up with a name for his business. So he started a crowdsourcing website called Squad Help. Squad Help went from being his side hustle to being a one-stop shop for name ideation. Darpin, welcome. Dave, thank you. Great to be here. Before we jump into Squad Help, uh, what's your journey? Sure. So I grew up in India. Um, so I did my where uh, in India? Uh, in Delhi. Okay, uh, that's where I kind of did my schooling and. Um, my background is in computers, so I kind of uh, have always been fascinated with computers. Even, you know, when we were going to school, I remember we used to have just this one little computer. We had to uh, kind of line up and, uh, you know, get some time to, uh, you know, work on it or play, yeah. build some games and things like this. So I've always been fascinated with that sort yeah, of Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, so I did my engineering in computers in India and then worked for a few years there, uh, 94, 97-ish. Okay. Yeah, so, right. Okay. Um, and then, you know, I... Got to work on some really interesting projects. Uh, one of them was for, you know, it's the equivalent of FBI in India. They okay. kind of, they were building some fingerprint analysis software. Oh, wow. So it cool. was, uh, you know, pretty cool to work on some of those projects. And, yeah, that uh, was innovative then. That was it was. That. It was pretty innovative at that time. That was around 97, and that's where, you know, the internet yeah, e-business just to, was just boom. starting to build up. yeah. yeah. And, you know, I was seeing all this, you know, uh, activity happening in the U.S. And I knew that I had to be there because, you know, there were just so many opportunities I felt I would be able to, you know, work on. And then I also wanted to do my MBA in the U.S. So I kind of decided to move to Chicago. Okay. So I joined a company that was helping uh, other companies on e-business related projects, so more okay. internet focused uh, yeah. initiatives. And that's where I got to work on some some internet projects like we were the first, uh, I led the team for launching Sears.com, which is wow. kind of the yeah. retailer in Chicago. Right. Um, and then we worked with Sears for several years. I also got to work on some other companies. And then finally I decided to join Sears. I kind of was uh, working with Sears um, as a full-time employee leading their internet technology team wow, for great. several years. So I kind of worked there for until 2007, and that's when I, you know, started to kind of look at other opportunities because I was kind of, I felt like I had built a lot of e-commerce expertise and right. I wanted to right. do more in that space. Right. So I worked with other companies like, um, you know, Kaplan, which is um, a more in the education space mm-hmm. uh, as their chief technology officer. Right. And, right. and, you know, I also worked with a few companies in India. My goal at that time was to build something of my own in the e-commerce space because, you know, I felt like I had a lot of, you know, experience sure, in that space yeah. and I always wanted to do something on my own. Yeah. Um, so I kind of started looking at India as a potential market because India was fairly new when it came to online shopping and there was just not a lot happening at that time. And the market is very, very large. Right. And, uh, sure. you know, at, at some point, you know, all these markets, uh, uh, you know, at that point, you were, everybody was talking about how things will move online. So, I worked for a company in India to just gain more first-hand experience around online shopping in India because they were kind of the, doing some stuff around it. And I actually moved to India again for about a year or so for for getting that experience. 
But, you know, I felt at that point the market was very, very small, and mm-hmm. I felt that that was not r- the right time for me to Why jump. was it small? I mean, it seems like you, 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 it would be the opposite. Well, the market, when I say the market, I was talking more the people who would like to shop online because it just people at that point were not very comfortable. India is a culture which is very touch and feel oriented culture. You want, you got to see the product. Yeah. It, you don't trust anybody. Yeah. And it's hard. I mean, I remember when shoes and whatnot, you yep. know, that was an early move uh, with, with Zappos and, yep. you know, some other uh, e-commerce players. And, you know, the idea that you're going to buy shoes online when you can't try them on and That's it's right. such a hard fit. That's right. Um, you know, it seemed silly. And right. yet, you know, it, it, the people now today, you know, flash forward 15 years, people don't think twice about doing it. Absolutely right. So, so this was that phase. This was not only that phase, but also infrastructure issues. Here you kind of assume that you order something, it'll be in your house in now in, in by next day, but right. you know, at that time, maybe in three or five days. Sure. But India wasn't ready at that time to deliver products, even oh, especially to gotcha. remote cities and things like that. Yeah. So there was a lot of issues people faced when they shopped online. So there was a lot of this negative apprehension about, will I even get my product? Product if I you know use my credit card right. to buy so the trust online. and the logistics exactly backbone. Gotcha. so that that the environment the ecosystem wasn't ready at that time and yeah. you know um, at that time I felt it was too early but I still felt that you know at some point I will you know do something there and I did end up you kind know, of doing building something uh, for their market down the road and so you had moved back to India at that point at that time I was working for a Company, one of the largest media companies in India, for you know, as their chief technology officer, okay. because they were doing something in the online shopping space. So I wanted gotcha. to kind of get some more gotcha. experience there. So it was interesting. A lot of good learnings. Um, I moved back to Chicago, um, worked few, for a few more other companies, and then 2011, I, I kind of decided I now was the time to do something in India again because okay. uh, the market had matured a bit, and right. I found a co-founder who had a lot of experience in the fashion retail space in the India market. So I okay. felt, you know, I had the right partnership. I had, um, you know, uh, the market is feeling like it's it's getting ready. And we also were able to get some investors who were in, able to invest in that idea. That always helps. Yes. So um, we ended up building that, that platform. But first thing, what you would need for that platform is a name. So, you know, I... We struggled, and uh, that's one of the common things we hear is, you know, it's just very hard to get a good name these days. Um, um, Every .com you think of is taken, so, you know, it just becomes a challenge. Right. So I decided to build something just as a resource for other companies. I thought it would be nice for, you know, entrepreneurs to have a resource where they could just launch a competition and have few people think about names. So this is, you're leading to squad help. Yes. Okay, so this is interesting. So you were trying to launch a fashion e-commerce site. Exactly. And you couldn't figure out what to name it. Yes. So you build an engine to help you figure out a name. So there are a few more steps. So I kind of, you know, posted some mini competitions in some discussion forums. Like, hey, can you give us some name ideas and, you know, I'll pay you 100 bucks to yeah, you know, right. come up with a name. So that kind of got me thinking that, you know, this is a common problem many people face. And yeah. I never expected Squad Help to actually become a real business. It was my goal was to actually build more a platform, a resource where companies kind can open just Open source kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. just, you yeah. know, Community. go out there. Host a, at that point, it would you know, the company could pay like a twenty bucks to launch a contest, get a bunch of ideas, and you know hopefully one of them will will be something they use. I didn't invest much time. I actually ended up you know moving on the fashion e-commerce side. We found a name and we ended up building a business. Um, the business actually grew quite well. We, this is fashionera. Fashionera.com. That was for the India market. 
And I focused on that for several years um, until 2016. Oh, so quite a while. I did. So, yeah. So from 2012 to 2016, I was focusing uh, pretty much full-time on Fashion Ara. And Squad Help was kind of, again, a resource that was growing organically. People were using it. Uh, more people were signing up to provide ideas. So it was kind of growing on its own without any marketing. So in, in this time, by the way, are, are you living here in Chicago? Or? I was living here in Chicago. Uh, I had a co-founder and our entire team was based in India. So wow. I would travel quite a bit to India. Yeah, right. I was working crazy hours. Uh, yeah. because well, you know, it's not an easy yeah, commute either. It's not fun. And yes, I was going, at, going there every you know, two to three months. I was there for you know, about a couple of weeks. Yeah. But it worked out because, you know, we were able to um, literally work 24-7. I was managing some people here. Uh, so those would be working in the U.S. time zone. And then people in India, of course, would work in the Indian time zone. And then we were able to move a lot faster for that reason. And we were able to build some pretty innovative stuff for that fashion e-commerce business uh, during so, that time. So how did it do? I mean, if you ran it for four years, did it ever get its own legs? Because I think ultimately it it failed, correct? Yes, it it was you would what you would call a failed startup, and here is why. So you know we built a pretty interesting business at that time. We were offering things like you could buy a dress online. We will deliver that to your home. You could try it on. We will wait for you, and then if you don't like it, we will take it back. So we built the entire delivery structure. You know, try before you buy kind of thing, and a lot of interesting stuff that were kind of first in the market. But the biggest challenge we were facing was companies like Amazon and Flipkart. They had access to you know, billions of dollars of capital, and they had no, at that point, expectation to become profitable. We did not see a path to profitability for our own business. And in fact, you know, we would have needed access to hundreds of millions of dollars in capital to just play that game where you are just discounting products and right, just trying to build the top footprint. line and footprint. So you know, it, it got to a point where we felt. You know, it just doesn't seem like a sustainable business, so we decided to call the venture off. That was okay. back in 2016. But it was hard, yes. I mean, something that you build from scratch yeah. and uh, build a fairly good market. But it gave me some really good learnings. In that what was, what was maybe your best lesson from that experience? I guess the most important lesson for me is, you know, a lot of times people wait too long before they think start thinking about pivoting their business. Um we also, I believe, waited too long. There are signs you can start seeing, you know, if you're paying too high of acquisition cost for customers, you can start seeing those warning signs. That that just means there may be some disconnect in terms of what customers' expectations are and what your business is offering. And that's really the time to start thinking about either you're not acquiring the right customers or you need to change something in your offering. A lot of times we get so involved, so deep in that idea that we are building and we are passionate about kind of making it successful that we always wait. We say, yeah. okay, maybe, you know, we'll do some incremental changes and something will, will change and yeah. we'll be able to turn this around. It's good to take a look at the bigger picture and maybe, you know, if there are companies like Amazon or Flipkart, if they're getting into this mainstream fashion e-commerce space, maybe we need to find a niche that is something very different from them. Maybe yeah. we need to get into something like, you know, at that point, flash sales were very popular. You know, if you think about, you know, there's a couple of platforms here in the U.S. as well that did pretty well during yep. that time, like guilt.com. Right. So there are alternative business models that you can get into to you know, not be in the direct, you know, trajectory of some yeah. of these larger businesses. You know, I, it's so funny you say that because I think, you know, especially if it's an established business operating, the inflection point of the downturn feels like hardly even a speed bump 
in the operation. It feels like a, oh, it's a bad month. You know, exactly. we're a little bit down. Yes. And, and you don't sense the underlying change, the seismic shift that's occurred in the market only too late. And, exactly. you know, you go months, years even uh, holding on to a market. And in, in the meantime, the whole industry has shifted in a different direction and it's too late for you to recover because you burned the opportunity for that pivot yes. by holding on too long. Very true. And you know, and that's it kind of leads me to the second point, which is you know, the importance of data. There's so much data available, especially in e-commerce business or online businesses, so many analytics. A lot of companies, even in our case, at least early on, we didn't you know pay too much attention to some of the very specific aspects that could help us, you know, build out or understand the trajectory of the business. Why? Uh, why was that? We were focusing on the bigger picture. You know, that in a small startup, when you have a small team and you're building so many things from ground up, you always have to make some assumptions that you know um, we will build this delivery infrastructure, we will invest in these areas, and then down the road, maybe a year or so, we will have enough base to you know pay off some of those investments you're making, and then you know there are. Deeper aspects that are things like cohort analysis, where you can easily see our customers coming back for if somebody bought, bought something from you, how long is it taking for them to come back and buy the second product? Because if they're not buying, if they're not coming back soon enough, there is a, that's a warning sign. Right. right? So right. if you don't have the repeat business, you're not building the brand. They, exactly. They and tried then it you, the, the lifetime value of your customers is not that high. And then you right. know, whatever cost you paid for acquiring those customers will not pay off in right. the end. So, so, so let me ask you this. Data and analytics, clearly important in every business. Correct. Personally, I can relate to this in my business. We needed assistance to understand. We collected a lot of information early on about our IT services and and how to service clients and what was good and what was bad. But we were kind of inventing it as we went. And the hard thing with data analytics is necessarily there's a lot of data which which piece do I pay attention to? Which ones are the key? And it's taken us a while. We've got it down to where we have five analytics that we yeah. really manage to make sure that our service delivery is excellent. Did you know what those analytics were? Uh, not initially. Uh, no, we had uh, the benefit of working with some really experienced investors, uh, you know, who had some of those ah, insights you because, you know, they were used to looking at these metrics and they were looking at, you know, asking questions, you know, we see a trend in your cost of acquisition going yeah. up and, you know, that's typically a warning sign or the cohort analysis is kind of telling a story that is not... You know, right. uh, uh, looking like that, you know, you're able to recover some of the cost right. investment you're making. So, I think I agree with you, and I think in the end, I feel it's important to pick maybe two or three key metrics that you feel are going to really make your business successful. In our case, there were clearly cost of acquisition, um, the repeat rate of our customers, and the lifetime value. If you just focus, laser focus on those three metrics and every marketing investment you make, every investment you make in technology, and you look at it from the lens of, did any of those help me recover or improve those two or three metrics? I think it's 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 very easy to stay focused. What happens quite a bit is, you know, a lot of companies have the, all these different products. I have Google Analytics. I have, you know, marketing consoles, and I'm looking at 
20 metrics from every single place, bounce rate and page views. And, you know, you just get bogged down with so much right. information. It's, it's distraction. That it's, you know, you kind of lose sight of some of the two or three things that really will help. Uh, right. That move the chains system. for the exactly. organization. I think that's really key. Yeah, right. that's really good insight. I think the other thing that you, you, you mentioned, too, was the importance of having those experienced advisors available. They may yes. not they may not be driving your specific value proposition, but if they have experience, they can help guide you in those areas. Absolutely. It, it, it always comes down to asking the right questions. And we don't know sometimes what those questions are, but if you have somebody who's been through a few times and if they ask you know, some of those very simple questions, that will help you figure out, okay, what data do I need to answer those questions? Yeah. And then based on the answers, I may need to change some directions yeah. to, to kind of help you zoom out from the business because exactly. you get stuck in the day to day and you forget to zoom out and look at the bigger picture. Are we are we moving in the right direction? Exactly. So so let's let's go back to this now. So you're driving fashion era. You, you maybe hold on a little too long, um, but in the meantime, you've got this this uh, crowdsourcing thing that's going on. Yeah. So you know that was interesting. So in 2016. I kind of took a step back and I said, okay, what do I need to do uh, next? And I started looking at squad help more closely. And it was fascinating to see that it was all organic growth. And we already had several thousand paying customers who had used this product with highly positive feedback. So you had started this as a company in the meantime? It was a company. It was always a paid platform. So from day one, companies would need to pay up front to launch a competition. 25 or 50 bucks because, again, it wasn't kind of a serious business. Over time, you know, we raised those fees a few times. We added more features, you know, to kind of uh, provide more value. But all of that was kind of in my free time. Again, I was so this at was his, like a side hustle. Yes, exactly. More to kind of stay engaged with entrepreneurs, you yeah. know, build more and more features, Something fun, you know, give something interesting back to the get community. that programming spirit yes. out of you. Yeah, know. always had that 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 you know uh, goal as well to right. kind of keep more yeah. be more hands on. Right. So, 2016. That's when I kind of look started looking at. You know, we had a lot of paying customers. We had a pretty decent size of community who are providing these ideas and very smart people. And that's when I kind of started looking at some numbers. And if you had to make a guess, how many companies launch every year? Take a guess. 5,000. 5,000. There's not a direct or a clear source of information based on several sources. What I've found is about 50 million companies launch. Holy crap. 50 million. Wow. Wow. and that is across the globe. Now, of course, not all of them make it you know, beyond mm-hmm. the first step of just incorporating. Um, a lot of them may be small companies who may not pay for names or things like that. But mm-hmm. you know, that's a huge market. And without, even despite you know, the number of companies, there is also millions of brands that companies are launching. So think about yeah. you know, big businesses like sure. Kellogg and Nestle. You know, the, how many brands are they launching every month? And if you start looking at smaller, some of the smaller companies, there is millions of things that need to be named every yeah. year. And then there is books, movies, products, yeah. you know, anything that is a so commercial. So anything that needs a name in a sense or a exactly. brand, let's say. It is a potential customer for us. And, you know, that's wow. where I felt, you know, this is actually a pretty large opportunity. And, in fact, there was nobody who was providing that combination of crowdsourcing with some of the validation features we had built in the whole naming process. So I decided to, at that point, you know, jump full-time into this and really build this out. So the concept of crowdsourcing is just that you kind of launch an idea to a crowd and then they provide whatever, you know, ideas or whatever that might be. In this case, the crowdsourcing model is 
I have a business or I have a new brand and mm-hmm. I, I need some ideas for it. Here's what it does. Sure. Uh, and you send it to this crowd. How do you build a crowd? How do you get 100,000 people? That's a good question. And, you know, till date, we have invested zero dollars in building the crowd, in marketing or in, in acquiring so, the So are these just... It's it's word of mouth. They're, they're just... Really? Uh, we have had so many uh, people, once they have participated, many of them end up creating videos on YouTube or, you know, things that they have shared with their friends. And it's 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 grown to a point where we actually, at this point had to stop accepting new people to our platform. We are getting over 1,000 people a day who want to join and provide these. Uh, now, are these, are these folks that are designers or marketing so, folks in the uh, first place? So it's a combination. You know, many of these people have this creative background. Now, they may not have a professional degree in many cases. Some of them used to enjoy word games, and they find this would be a much better use of their time because they are creative. They can think of great words, and they can kind of relate that to or you know uh, to the brands that are looking for those names and in the end they'll end up winning some some money some real money some of them come from creative backgrounds these would be people who work for agencies and just need something on you know evenings and weekends to just uh, you know you know uh, use so, as an outlet so do you believe that it's that the people that are participating are participating for the financial gain or so, for the enjoyment of course, financial gain is one motive, but for many of the people who are on our on our platform, I feel it's something bigger. I think it's the whole competitive aspect that this whole thing is a game for many of them. It basically, they come in every day, and some people spend eight to ten hours a day on this platform. Wow! Um, and it's we have leaderboards. They get badges. They get points for different things. And so, what would be a badge that I could earn? You could earn badges for getting higher quality ratings on your names. And if you get too many of those too frequently, then you'll get a you know, higher quality badge. Or you could get a badge when you got your first you know, uh, top rating on your contest or yes. when you got, won your first contest. So there's a so, lot of so, different ways. So there's value even if I don't win the contest, I can get highly rated. And- oh, of course. Yeah. And you can get points. And then over time, you get upgraded to what's called a tier A status. And then you get even more benefits in our platform. But the whole thing is built to ensure that people with top quality ideas get to do more on this platform. And there are people who want, you know, thirty, forty thousand dollars a year just as a side hustle. What's the typical contest? So you, you the idea is that I have a name opportunity and I'm going to issue a contest for who's got the best name for my new product I want to launch? Yeah, so typical uh, opportunity would be, you know, so so one would be I'm an entrepreneur. I'm just launching this new tech startup. It is what it does. Uh, You know, we need a name that kind of best conveys the the brand, you know, value that we are looking to build. And, um, you know, they can provide some more details like I want a .com name, URL to be available. Um, the name has to be short. I mean, they can kind of, or they can right. even talk about styles. That name has to be evocative. Or Older. The name, yeah, yeah, I saw it that. It needs yeah. to kind of, uh, uh, you know, create a feeling of warmth. So based on that, our community, and you will get hundreds of people literally within a few minutes starting to submit ideas based on what you told them. And our platform kind of automatically checks to make sure those URLs are available so we don't accept ideas that are you know not available you know, what's cool is that once you get hundreds or thousands of ideas, you may have six or 10 ideas that you really, really love, but you're not sure, you know, which name to 
pick. And then we help you test those names with real people. You know, I went through this. We came yes. up with our name, Mother G, which sure. is, you know, people wonder how the hell we came up with that yeah, name. That's a nice name. Um, but, you know, we, we, we actually used a similar process, but it was not a crowdsourcing solution. Right. Um, and it was very laborious, and we, and we felt like we were rolling the dice with the name when we took it. And it was scary. Yeah, and that's you know that's one of the challenges people have. A lot of times, uh, people think inwards, right? You know, this name has talks about all these features and you know cool things our company does, but it may not resonate with your audience. You know, that's the most important point. Does that name actually connect with people who you're speaking to? So we can help you test with your community. You can even say, okay, I want to test these six names with women who are living in New York or big cities across U.S. in the age group of 25 to 35. And they will vote and tell me, is this a now, good how name? how do you do that? So we have partnered with uh, some agencies who help us reach that audience. So it's okay. kind of digital you know, partnerships gotcha. we have. So we can actually reach literally any country in the world wow. for uh, these demographics, age, gender, location. And then you'll get a detailed report, unbiased feedback about, okay, of the six names, this name resonated the most with women who, if you if that's your target audience, in that age group. And then you can make more informed decisions that are based that's on tremendous. unbiased yeah, feedback from tremendous. people. Give me a swag on what uh, an engagement like that costs. But some companies tell us it's very cheap, actually. So, you know, we, for us, the contests start at $199. So that's kind of the lowest level where you wow, would come in. that's cheap. All these features that I was talking about, they're included in some of our higher packages. For example, our platinum package, it's 699 And that's that, still so inexpensive. It is, it is inexpensive. I mean, um, a marketing company to come up with a name is five, ten, twenty thousand well, dollars I mean, for a basic name. Yes. And, you know, now we have customers, some very large customers who use us like Kellogg and Nestle. All of them have been our customers. And wow. they tell us that, you know, working with an agency versus us, they get equal or if not better suggestions from us because they get so much breadth of ideas yeah. very, very rapidly. And then they can test those ideas. They can help them with trademark validations. And now we also offer other packages where you know, our own branding team can help you manage your project on your behalf. And those can be either $1,000 wow. oh, or $2,000 nice. depending on what level you come so in. So you just take over and We basically and you know, write a very professional brief for you. We will manage it every day because you know part of this is to provide ongoing feedback to the community. You know, For you to have a successful project, you need to provide a lot of feedback during this process. If you have, you know, 100,000 people potentially participating and, you know, I'm assuming they're they're at work and all of a sudden, a, you know, a, a new contest pops up sure. and they see it. Maybe they, oh, that's a good one. I want to jump in on that. And they start submitting names. Have you ever had some really goofy names or some, well, like, what's the funniest name you've ever seen? <laughs> well, I mean, there's a lot of people a lot, do a lot of uh, no, play on words kind of names. Yeah. Uh, you know, some of those could be pretty interesting Uh I think there was one for uh, a men's rental platform. They came called it rentalmen.com, like a gentleman. So it's kind of like a play. Um, so there's some That could be pretty, interpreted many ways. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, that's, and that's one of the issues. And that's actually, you know, one of the other, you know, challenges. A lot of companies don't think about it is the linguistics around the names. You know, names could have different meanings in different languages. And, yeah. um you know, there are large companies that have, you know, launched brands that ended up having some very offensive meaning in a different language. Well, you know, the classic, right, is Chevrolet when they had the Chevy Nova. Exactly. And, and 
in America and they launched it in Mexico and Nova means no go, which yes, is yes, a, exactly. a bad name for a car. And I think there was another one, um, I think it was called P-Cola or something in a, in a different uh, country. And of yeah, course, right, you know, P-Cola. Right, um, yeah. so, Delicious. <laughs> so, I know, and that's where we also do what's called linguistics analysis. So we can actually, you know, take those top names and we will tell you, are there any negative connotations across, you know, different languages across the globe for yeah. those names. So again, right. it gives you a little more information that you can use to pick the name that, you know, you can actually, you know, uh, if you want to expand to other countries, you will not run into those kind of issues. You know, when we went through our renaming, we we were Transtech Consulting Services and, um, you know, we were entering this, this new uh, initiative of managed services and in, in providing what we did in, in, in that whole process of trying to define what our value proposition was and then to understand, um, you know, what name would be best because Transit Consulting Services doesn't really roll off the tongue sure. nor does it denote any of the value proposition. And we used an agency to come up with the name. And, and I thought, you know, the first three weeks they gave us uh, hundreds of names and mm-hmm. all of them were garbage. Right. And uh, I'm looking at the guy and I'm thinking, holy crap, this cost me a lot of money. And we were just starting. Sure. And so that money was really valuable. I'm looking at the guy and he looks at me and just goes, I know they're all crap. <laughs> Give us another couple of weeks. I'm like, dude, I, you know, I need a website. I got all this stuff sure. and all this marketing I would need to do. And, and uh, it, it was really nerve wracking when they came with the name, you know, they were really pensive about it because they weren't sure our brand was, you know, we're there 24 by seven. We're mm-hmm. always there to protect you. We, we give you the advice you need, not necessarily what you want. Right. Um, uh, we're going to fix your problems. We're going to help you. We're the trusted partner. We're the ones you can always go to no matter what's going on, right? And and you start laying out those values around technology. And I'm sitting there listening to him, waiting for the word. And he goes, I'm thinking, you're not going to tell me I'm naming my company mother. <laughs> Come on. I can't name an IT company mother. But, um, you know, and then we did. And we launched it in the domain Mother G. Mother Network Guardians was the original name. Okay. And then we shortened it to Mother G. Guardians of your technology. Um, and, and it was so scary because, is, yeah. like, I had no idea whether anyone was going to accept this name because it's a weird name, right? I mean, it's it different. is weird. Right? And it's you different. could say the same thing about Apple. I mean, at that yeah, time, yeah, you had Microsoft and IBMs and, you know, what is Apple? It's, it's yeah. so different. In, in many cases, I feel it comes down to actually being different. It actually helps you because people take a pause and say, okay, what does that actually mean? What is this name about? It kind of makes it a little more intriguing. We had so many bad names. We had like Vader Data and uh, uh, Technology Wizards. It was another one. I, you know, it's just so bad. It's funny. Um, what do you think makes a great name or makes a great brand? So uh, that's a good question. So I think there is a few different aspects. Of course, there is the basics, which is, um, you know, it, it has to be easy to pronounce, easy to spell. If you're talking about the name or phone to somebody, they should be able to understand it. So some of these are basic building blocks. I think every name should have these. You know, if the name is too hard, regardless of the meaning, it just will be very difficult for you to kind of make it work. Um, beyond that, I think there are aspects that speak to the quality of your brand. The name, in my mind, a good name has to convey either directly or indirectly what your brand is about. And a lot of times company become, they, they, they focus more on the direct part. They make the name too descriptive. And while that's good, I think it's easy to kind of make your business, you know, people can easily understand what your business does. But at the same time, 
it makes it a little boring because you know then you're really including the actual words of what your industry is about for example you know zappos you were talking about earlier they used to be called shoestore.com you know so or something like that <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, right. so you know while it's you know it's perfect name to understand what the company is about it, it just seems very boring it's you know it's very right. generic right. um so in many ways using metaphors to talk about names to describe what your brand like you know amazon is a great example of you know using a metaphor um i feel those can help build a much better brand um the second thing is a lot of companies want their name to be very very short and there's this obsession about short names and i think in in the end uh, you know everything else being equal short names are great but that should not be the going in criteria in my mind i feel you can get build a much better name um which is easier to pronounce easy to convey what your brand is about than just going after a short name that might be very hard to pronounce or might be you know too difficult to understand so you know there are just trade offs but i feel a lot of companies there's just i i got to get a six letter name or a five letter name so besides mother g and squad help what's your favorite <laughs> company name of any whether you you named them or not what do you think is the best and why in my mind this and that kind of names like crate and barrel Abercrombie and Fitch. I think some of these names are good, are are, are strong because you know they kind of um, are different, are unique. They they are easy to say. Um, I think even in case of descriptive names, WeWork I feel is a great name. It does a great job of describing what the name is about and you know building the whole you know the V aspect, the collaboration aspect together. I think uh, not to kind of go back to Amazon and Google. I I feel you know. for the at the time when they then they when they launched these businesses they picked the perfect names because you know it was very forward thinking to kind of imply something that is vast and that is something that is yeah. you know that that evokes that emotion so you know there is a lot of good examples and i think even in our case we built some you know we showcase some of these names on our platform and it's just amazing to see the do you think sometimes people get too hung up on this aspect though I mean I think Google is a great example of a company that took a word I don't think the word Google actually existed before they started and and they took a, kind of a made up word and turned it into a verb and to me that's the epitome of success in a brand is when you yeah. can your brand becomes a verb absolutely you know over time I mean that's everybody's goal is to get to that that stage but typically it needs a huge level of brand building and marketing investment for people to kind of uh, you know associate that brand with you it just makes it picking the right name just makes it a little more easier for you to have that recall because yeah. you know so, right you know i think google's case it, the fundamental was it was an amazing search engine right sure. it, it was something that that we hadn't ever seen before right. uh notably on a screen that was blank because before that you know it was just solid pop-up ads all over the place yep. like AOL and sure. and Yahoo but um you know Google reinvented that whole search engine model and because it was such an amazing search engine people flocked to it and used it that's where the name starts becoming a verb ultimately it's about the product or the service right, right. You, you can have Uber the perfect name one, right? you can have the perfect name but if it's not you know really creating adding value or really not solving a problem in a big way you know that brand is not going to be successful on the other hand you could have a really crappy name but maybe you're offering the best service and something so unique that people will still you know make that a verb so I, like, you know, I I think the 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 balance here is if they would have founded a company that said we're going to share rides that you can get easily with your cellphone.com 
that's yeah. not going to be or a really even, sick, even if like Uber was called rideshare.com I I think that would have been a very generic name and you know it might have hurt them because yeah. Uber has that intrigue it has that you know right you know, what is uh, this yeah. exactly so I I think in the end everything else being equal a good name can certainly help you if everything else is not equal I mean if you're if inherently your business model is bad, then no good name can can help. You know, right, and that, I think that's the key. You know, you you focus first on the value proposition, absolutely, and then let the name denote the value proposition. We started Mother in two thousand six. We renamed it in two thousand eight to Mother Network Guardians and Mother G. After we had really established what our value proposition was and in, in, in how we wanted to be depicted in the marketplace, so it was a lot easier when we came to that name to say, okay, it's it's a little bold for us at least. That I mean, that's bold for me, but um, you know, it was it was easier because I understood what my company represented, sure. what I wanted it to represent, what we were actually delivering. Yeah, I think it's a great name. Thanks. You are certainly reinventing an aspect of of marketing that is probably making some large organizations a little bit nervous because sure. the the you know the revenue stream that a lot of those companies get uh, is pretty sizable compared to what you're generating in the value and uh, you know my experience with crowdsourcing has been nothing short of miraculous whether it's been in the marketing space or some of the design things that we've we've used crowdsourcing platforms right. for so it's it's pretty pretty innovative darpen i really appreciate your time today this has been fabulous uh really welcome you to to the midwest mavericks uh, podcast and i I appreciate your openness and in answering a lot of different questions. Thank you, David. It's been a pleasure, and uh, I really enjoyed our conversation. You can learn more about Squad Help at squadhelp.com. I'm Dave Davenport. Thank you for listening to Midwest Mavericks. Midwest Mavericks is powered by Mother G. For more information and a free security assessment, visit mothergcom